Hi there, podcast listeners. I am your host, Rashawn McLeod, and you are listening to the diary of a glorified fat girl. Today's topic is therapy, which sounds very broad, and it is very broad, but I myself am a massive therapy advocate, and I'm a big believer that you can get from it what you put in, and that it is beneficial for everyone, even if you think you have nothing to talk about per se. And I usually have friends asking me questions about therapy because they're starting out and they're in the early stages and they don't feel like they're getting anything from it. So I just wanted to give some general information in this podcast that might help someone feeling a little overwhelmed with the process. I myself have been in and out of therapy throughout my entire life, but I've been in therapy consistently with the same therapist for the last four years It's going on five years next year, and I'm currently also in eating disorder therapy, but I've also done work in narcissistic abuse therapy after the ending of my seven-year relationship. That all to say, I would nowhere near say my journey with therapy is over. We are all constantly evolving and growing, and I hope that I'm forever evolving and forever changing. I never want to become stagnant because that means that I am not growing, that I'm not evolving, I'm not learning, and I never want to be so set in my ways that I can't have an open mind about something new. The more I grow, the more healing I do on my past in various different ways, the more I'm constantly reflecting. I could have closed that chapter and walked away, but I'm still learning from it in present day and things about myself. And that's why therapy isn't black and white. It isn't that you go in with a problem and you get a solution and then you're magically healed and you leave. There are various shades of grey in between and various shades of white. Embracing that you are forever healing, forever growing, forever transforming. And that is a beautiful thing and a necessary thing in your therapy journey because perfect doesn't exist. And nobody is ever fully healed. But we learn about ourselves and the more we are able to reflect, the more we are able to walk into our future with open minds, without stigmas and prejudgments holding us back, quote unquote, our traumas, we won't be as jaded. And it's stepping into your higher self versus your ego. Your ego self can look like living in a victim mentality and staying in a victim mentality for a long time is very, I want to say unhealthy. Um, It is unhealthy for your well-being. Um, It's feeling jaded by the world around you and always feeling wrong done by, and that is not to invalidate your feelings by any means, but living in that mentality can have you comparing yourself to your friends and your family that you're always worse done by, and they've been luckier than you, and that's unfair. And while you may always celebrate their wins, there may always be a part of you that's like, well, I deserve that more. And you just have that part of you that's a little jaded when in reality, there's space for all of us. And it's not that um, one is worse off than the other. It's recognizing that, you know what, I'll get to that in a second because we're going to talk about that in our higher self. Your ego self may also obsess over mistakes you've made and feel immense guilt over them versus learning lessons from them. And whether that is a small little tiny mistake that you've made or 
big mistake, whatever you deem those to be, you find yourself obsessing over them. I should have done this differently. I feel so bad. But on the flip side, it could be you deflecting, not taking accountability, seeing no fault. It's always your way or the highway. You did nothing wrong. It's all them, not you. And in general, complaining about everything, finding things throughout your day to feel frustration towards, however little that may be, maybe even things that aren't your problems. In today's terms, that could be just finding someone who feeds on the drama of themselves, you, others, doesn't find comfort in the peaceful moments because it's unfamiliar to them. Your higher self would look like someone that's able to take accountability and rather than obsessing over their mistakes or deflecting them, they can acknowledge and learn from them and they can be at peace with them. Their healing journey has some work to do and they acknowledge that and they are okay with that. They are someone who has an abundance mindset so instead of that poor me mindset they are also able to recognize that while things have been unfair they are working on that in therapy they know that everyone's journey and start and finish line isn't equal and they're able to appreciate what they have and focus on what they have and what's in their day however little or big that may be sometimes for me i just find joy in the sun is shining today if I cannot find anything else about my day that I find joy in and everything is not going my way, it can be as little as, well, the sun came out today and I, I'm really happy to see the sun. Or just reminding myself, hey, I really love the house that I'm in. I'm really grateful to be here. Just little tiny things like that. It doesn't have to be the biggest thing in the world. But just remembering that your start and finish line is different and success is different to everyone and, um, and, and all of those in-betweens are different and acknowledging that that poor me mindset, that victim mentality is a negative place to be in and as long as you stay in that place, you will forever be in that place. It is up to you to take accountability for your healing journey in order to surpass it and also being able to remember that there is enough space for everyone and that everyone's feelings are valid and there is enough room for us all to grow and evolve and celebrate all of our wins that someone's wins or success or beauty does not take away from our own and going back to finding gratitude in those moments, your higher self is more likely to do so. And it will get easier with time to find gratitude in those little moments. So when I talk to my friends about therapy, there's usually three main responses that I get. The first response is, I think therapy is great. It really works for some. I just never found the right person for me. I feel pretty stable without it, so I think I'm fine, but I, I support everyone on their journeys. The second is, I know I need therapy. I'm not willing to do the work, but good for you. And I've had someone say that exact sentence to me, which is why that is in here. Number three is, I want to start going to therapy. 
I'm just a little lost and I don't know where to start and what if they're not the right therapist for me and I've just wasted all this time only to have to start over all over again. So let's look at number one. I am pretty stable without it, but I support other people's journeys. To that I would say it does not hurt to have someone that you check in with every so often. There is always something that you can learn about yourself. We all have our quote-unquote traumas and emotional baggage and having someone to help us work through that can really help so that we don't carry that into friendships or relationships by accident. There is no such thing as the perfect person, the perfect response. And while you may feel as though you are emotionally intelligent enough to handle various situations, having someone to check in with might be able to help you find, if not better understand yourself, but maybe also understand some of the people in your life. Sometimes we don't know where to give patience and grace with someone's healing journey because we don't understand what they're going through, even though we tell ourselves that we do. Maybe we don't understand why they're always down and out and it frustrates us because we don't like being around unhappy people. That right there is something to unpack. Why does that trigger you? Why do you feel the need to always be around happy people? Why does that emotion of unhappiness make you feel uncomfortable? There's always something to learn. Or that at very least, just having someone that isn't your friend or family to check in with when life becomes overwhelming, that is a safe space. Number two, unlike number one, is aware that work needs to be done, but not willing to put the work in. And if that is because unpacking everything will become triggering and cause emotional distress and facing emotions is difficult, then to that I would say, all the more reason to do it. Anything you run from catches up with you. And it may not be now, or in the next week, or the next decade, but it'll be one random day where it just all hits. It's never too late to say, I need help. You're never too old or in it too deep to go to therapy and accept help. But if it's something you realize now, and you know in yourself now, you and your therapist can work slowly at breaking down those defenses and walls. And it can start with at first just getting to know each other, and then bit by bit giving up information that you are comfortable with. Therapy is at your pace. If you need to slow down, you vocalize that. But if you feel as though the process can be picked up a little bit, you vocalize that. Don't let the fear of being vulnerable stop you because vulnerability is your greatest superpower if you know how to utilize it and embrace it. Number three, where do I start? What if I have to start again? And all those fears are valid. But going slightly off topic here, I know a lot of people who go into therapy and have this mentality of, well, I know better than the therapist. Um, I know someone who, and not to call anyone out here, but just Googles their thoughts about themselves. And so therefore, Google must be right. Um, so they go in and they tell a therapist in great detail what is wrong. And they expect the therapist to give this black and white answer, either in validation or constructive criticism. And then they get frustrated when they don't receive that. Your therapist isn't your best friend. They aren't there to gossip with you. They are analyzing your body behavior and mannerisms. 
unpacking why you told them how it was and if you're maybe in some denial and maybe some of your um, processes are self-aware or in denial and that's not to invalidate you but they're also trying to understand if you're exaggerating the story a little bit are you remembering it correctly they're trying to get a baseline from you I'm pointing this out to say that it takes a few sessions for your therapist to get a baseline of you quirks when you might be exaggerating the storyline or lying when you want them to agree with you and give a straightforward diagnosis, problem solved, you might be in denial of events or completely unaware of something, which is why sometimes you go into your therapist and you will talk about this one thing repeatedly, but your therapist will pull you somewhere else. They see that this one thing upsets you, but the root of that thing is coming from somewhere else. And maybe you haven't unpacked that yet. They need to know your baseline. So when you go in, you have to go in assuming that you know nothing, with an open mind that you are here to learn about yourself, that in this moment, you know nothing about yourself, you're starting on a blank page. Because if you go in and think to yourself, well, my therapist said this, but they're wrong because blah, 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 then therapy isn't going to work. Whether that therapist is or isn't good for you, it's not going to work. There's a thin line between trusting your instincts and trusting the process. And those first at least five sessions, you're going to have to trust the process, which means neither you or your therapist knows you. You are both there to learn. Don't tell them what you think they want to hear or the big life traumas. Tell them honestly what is weighing on your heart. The big life events will unpack themselves. People aren't their traumas. I am not my eating disorder, I am not my dad passing, I am not the bullying that happened to me, I am not the abuse in my relationship that I went through, I am a whole person beyond those things. They don't define me. Your therapist wants to know you. The process will never work without your complete dedication to being raw, open and vulnerable. No frills, bedazzle, I know better than you, just you being you as you are. And if after five sessions you feel as though your therapist and you your personalities aren't mixing, the therapeutic approach isn't working, you can talk to them about it. Um, you know, sometimes it's just as simple as saying, hey, this approach isn't working for me, or I've realized that when you say this or this, it actually kind of triggers me. Um, and if that's how they work, then that's how you know to look for someone else. Or... They can be like, okay, and they can change the way they approach the situation. Um, both of you have to understand, again, each other's baselines. So first impressions, second impressions, even third impressions, you may still be putting on an act. And that, that goes for even when you're not in therapy. The first few times that you meet somebody new, you may not be your authentic self. Um, and when you're telling someone the most vulnerable parts of yourself and the most vulnerable parts of your story, you, you never want to be depicted as the bad guy. You never want to omit that maybe you have some fault in those things. And that's not always to say that you do or to victim blame here, because sometimes, truthfully, you have done nothing wrong. But 
it's just to say that we always put on our best dress. We always put our best foot forward. And you have to understand them in the same way that they have to understand you. I know that my first few sessions with my therapist, I was quite shy and um, she was able to get a baseline of me kind of where my my conscience kind of laid. But now I roll my eyes and I'm very sassy and I say whatever is on my mind. She knows my personality. She knows the ins and outs of me. And when I start rambling about something, she knows what it might be related to in my past and, and what that root cause might be. But she also knows how far I've come and the work that I've done, um, but maybe how I might dibble-dabble back and forth and reflect a bit more. She just, there's this understanding now. Those first few sessions there wasn't because I was most definitely putting up a front. I was most definitely wanting to let her know my narrative and I was scared to admit information. And that is going to be normal for anybody. Um, so give it five sessions and if after five sessions you have that conversation and you still feel as though, okay, it's not working for me, then you can take your journey elsewhere. And I also just want to add here that even when we feel as though we are being completely authentic and we are telling the truth and we are admitting our faults and admitting our roles and we are telling the story exactly how it is, Nine times out of ten, there is usually something that we aren't self-aware about that our therapist will usually flag that we haven't noticed. Um, I suppose an example for me would be when I first started therapy, I have a family member who I was kind of brushing off how emotionally abusive that relationship was. I was like, that's not emotionally abusive. Like, you know, we, we've had troubles, but you know, it's, it's not emotionally abusive. Um, and then we get to maybe the middle of my therapy. I'm like, maybe it's emotionally abusive. I don't know. And now I'm kind of unpacking, okay, it is. And what, what are my next steps? How do I, how do I feel about this? Um, and I'm reflecting on why was I not willing to see it for what it was? Um, yours might not be mine, um, but that is just an example that even our version of the story can look completely different to an outside perspective. And so even when we feel like we are telling the truth and we are being our authentic selves, usually there is something within that we haven't noticed and we aren't self-aware enough on. And if you have to start again, that's okay. I know it sucks in terms of financial situations and having to unpack all over again, but the flip side is that you stay proactive about your mental health journey. The closer you get to your higher self, to a place every day that's a little easier to breathe than the day before. That's one step closer than you were before. Um, at regulating your emotions, handling pressure in high stress situations and managing your anxiety. And that is a win. It's all a part of the process. It's looking at the big picture. And I know in the moment that is really hard to do, 
but as someone who is four years in it with the same therapist. I don't know where I would be had I not have just tried, um, if that was English at all. <laughs> um, I know that I've had to move around GPs and I've had a, not, a lot of knockbacks, um, but I finally found the medical team that works for me and that I'm comfortable and happy with and we're finally making progress and it just felt like hell to get here. But I am much closer to a happier and healthier version of myself than I was even this time last year. All those small steps add up and it's better than not trying at all. So remembering the big picture is really important. No, many, no matter how many times you quote unquote fall down, you get back up and you try again. The best place to start is just by going to your regular GP and asking for a mental health plan, explaining to them that you haven't been feeling your best and you really just need someone to talk to and hopefully they are able to help you out. If not, unfortunately, you will have to pay for your nearest psychologist out of pocket, which at first I hate it, um, whether you're on a mental health plan or not, <laughs> uh, because money is tough. But I will say that I think of it as a investment, the same way that I go for my grocery shop every week, um, or some people invest their money into the gym. I personally just do Pilates at home or go for a walk. Um, I'm seeing someone for my mental health and I put money aside into a separate savings account, literally just for therapy. Um, it is that much of a priority for me. There is always work to do outside of therapy. Therapy is not just something that you do in session and then you leave and then you don't see your therapist for weeks and then you go back. That's going to be a very, very slow journey. Um, some things that you can do or that I personally like to do is journaling. So you're constantly reflecting, breath work. I like listening to podcasts. It helps me trigger different thought patterns. Um, I will hear something in a podcast and it will spark something and then I will journal it and then I will break that down and unpack it more and then I'll go into therapy and talk about that. Um, reading books. I've moved on to self-help books at didn't start naturally. I have worked my way up. Um, but if none of that is your thing, it could be what you're talking about in session with your therapist and just reflecting on what they said and trying to break that down before your next session. Um, so for example, okay, well, I would get angry when my mom said that to me. Why did that make me so angry? Why did it hurt me? How does that affect my relationships now? And once you start to learn how to unpack things, it, get e it gets easier. The more you unpack and deep dive, the more natural it will come to you. But you have to be doing that work outside of sessions. And if you don't know where to start, and if you are completely lost and all of that just sounded so overwhelming, which is completely fair, and for me it did, you can just ask your therapist, hey, um, I would really love to do some work in between sessions. Can you give me something to work on? In between. Um, my therapist was always really great at emailing me over um, some workbook to do or giving me a prompt to think on for our next session. Um, just something so that your mind is always active and working between sessions. The hardest part is just starting and once you've done that it is really so easy from there if you have started therapy, I am so proud of you. If you have been in therapy, I am so proud of you. 
And if you are thinking about going to therapy, I am so proud of you. Wherever you are in your therapy journey, whether it has started or not, I am so proud of you for thinking about it because that truly is the first step is acknowledging, hey, this is something I want to do. Listening to this podcast could be even a first step. And I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for acknowledging that you want to take that proactive step in your mental health. The way that I've been able to regulate my emotions and work through my trauma and understand that people's reactions are usually their projections from their inner turmoil and has nothing to do with me has been a game changer for my journey. It's had me questioning my friendships and relationships, both uh, family and romantic, and who I trust with certain information and who importantly triggers me and what triggers me. And I am responsible for my triggers, not anyone else. And things that used to hurt me before, I'm able to not deflect from, but just shut them off um, and again, regulate my emotions more, or compartmentalize them and break them down later on, not let them ruin my whole day or week. So if something goes wrong in the morning, I'm able to go, okay, well, we'll put this in that little box in my brain for later on. But right now, I'm going to go have brunch with my friends, or I'm going to go do X, Y, Z, or I'm going to study, I'm going to do whatever it is that the day takes me through. I will deal with this later on. Whereas before, that might have sent me back to bed depressed, miserable for the day, blinds down, I'm not moving. And that doesn't happen anymore. If I haven't convinced you enough, I have family members who are extremely jaded and set in their ways, believe that they don't need therapy or extra help. And they are always the ones that project the most and cause the most harm to others emotionally. I think if not for yourself, at least for those around you, going to therapy is important. So with that, I am going to wrap up today's episode. It was very broad and it was very basic and I could honestly do a very deep dive into therapy in future episodes because there is so much that I could say about it. Um, Therapy was so stigmatized for a long time and to be honest, I feel like it still kind of is, especially for... um, men's mental health uh but honestly even even women um it has kind of become the quote-unquote normal but I would love to get it to a stage where people say oh I have therapy Thursday the same way we say oh I'm going to the doctor I'm going to the hairdresser I'm going grocery shopping Friday um I'm very open about therapy and my love for it and I think there are so many benefits to it and I speak about therapy so openly. Um, I was almost about to say too openly, but you know what? No, I go to therapy and I'm really proud of it. And I think the stigma comes from, oh, you go to therapy if there's something wrong with you. But (laughs) humans are not perfect and we are operated by this electrical piece of meat inside our heads can't tell me that's a perfect function um (laughs) I think we could all benefit from just having some extra support in our lives and 
feeling like we are understood and we are heard because I think at the end of the day, that's what we all want. But with that, whatever resonates with you and whatever doesn't, that is okay. This may not be for everyone and you may not agree with everything that is said and that is also okay. But I'm going to remind you to be kind to yourself and I will speak to you next time. Bye.